She's a full-time voice actor and owner of the Voice Actor Studio in Las Vegas. Please welcome the lovely and talented Melissa Motes. Well, hello, my friend and client and former podcast host. I know we talk every week, but this is a fun reunion of sorts, except now I get to switch into producer mode and interrogate or ask you questions. <laughs> I, <laughs> I know we can pack an episode, so I'm going to jump right in with something I think everyone wants to know. So you've been a full-time voice actor for more than 20 years, but you also have the brick and mortar plus virtual training facility, the voice actor studio, plus a husband and a whiny old man cat and a social life. So everyone always seems interested in that somewhat elusive idea of work-life balance. How have you been able to create that with all that you do? It's still a challenge. Every year, my um, New Year's resolution is work-life balance. That's always at the top of the list. And uh, so far, I haven't been able to put a solid check mark beside it or a line through it because that's always something I'm doing a dance with. But just taking it one day at a time has been honestly the best thing I can do is just if I catch myself in a storm of trying to do too many things, that's the time that I really do try to pull myself away and just go, okay, regroup, reset, deep breaths, take a second because it's it's challenging. It's definitely my uh, my biggest tightrope I walk. <laughs> In your opinion, what is work life balance? Is it a what, you know what does it mean to you? Because I, I think part of the reason people find it to be elusive is they have an idea in their head that it has to be this specific thing. And like you said, once you make a plan to do one thing, the world is going to change it. So you have to be able to adapt to it. And I, th I think having those priorities of these are the three things or however many things I have to do these every day. I will not sacrifice my workout. I will not sacrifice my relaxing shower and I will not sacrifice my meal. I think that's a really solid foundation. And then if you can get more, then that's great. But if not, at least you've done the minimum. Yes, those are my three musts. And then also just some time with my husband, you know, that is, even if it's one hour, every single day we have a coffee date. So that's another must list for me is sitting down and getting one uninterrupted hour of just great conversation, just our couple time. And, uh, that's another big part of it, but yeah, I do think a lot of people have different, um, expectations that they create for themselves that are maybe unreasonable or, you know, just they're never going to meet and they're going to always find themselves being disappointed. So I try really hard to just stick with my must list, try to keep it down to the bare minimums. And it seems to, seems to work <laughs> most days. <laughs> I like the idea of a must list. I think that's a good thing for people to have. When you're juggling so many things, it can be hard to know where to start sometimes with getting it all done. What are some of your most useful productivity habits? I, I do stick pretty closely to a routine. I do like uh, getting up around the same time. For me during the week, I like to get up about six, have some quiet time in the morning. And I definitely uh, live and breathe by my digital calendar. Amanda McEwen, I've come a long ways. Remember when I was uh, still working on my little paper calendars and my little journals, my bojo? You, you liked the feel <laughs> of a pencil is what you said. I still like the feel of a pencil, but... For me, I would say my digital calendar, I treat my inbox like a to-do list and 
you know, those things to me are solid. I never second guess where I'm at with anything based on those two things. That's, you know, my calendar and my inbox are ironclad. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's good to have a toolbox, utilize the apps and tools and everything else that's available to us now without getting overwhelmed by how many options we have. Because there, every time I start to look for some kind of CRM software or anything, it's like, well, there are 2,033 different things that I could do. And I'm just going to stick with my my basics right now because I don't have time to learn something new. Yeah. And it's overwhelming. There are so many great things out there, but just to spend the time to find them and then learn them, that that in itself isn't very productive, right? Like to me, that's just like time is just going up in flames and I'm like, no. So I'll email myself. I know that there's Evernote and there's this and there's that and there's all these things you can do. I'll just say, I'm writing myself an an email because it's going to be in my inbox. And like you, it's going to bug me if it's in my inbox, it's, if it's un- or incomplete, undone. Um, so that's how I roll. Those are my two things that I never waver from. That's one thing I do. If I, it's like something comes into my brain and it's past working hours, or if I get a text from a client or something that's a little bit later in the day, instead of getting up and going to tend to it, I'll do that sometimes. I'll send myself an email because then I know I'll see it in the inbox the next day when I am working. And so it won't get buried somewhere. And then it also won't be nagging me in the back of my head. Like, oh, remember this, remember this. It's like, no, I'll just email myself and it'll be fine. And then I see it in the morning. Like, oh, right, I need to do this. And then it's like, I also feel like, ah, there it is. Okay, good. Yeah, glad I emailed myself. Exactly. (laughs) I'm going to shift gears a little bit because one of the biggest struggles I hear about all the time from people who are starting their businesses or kind of in the earlier stages is, well, how do I get new clients? And of course, marketing and sales are a whole big thing, and that will vary based on what the people do. But one thing that is universal, which you and I have always agreed on, is being friendly and easy to work with, which builds quality long-term relationships versus one-time customers. Thus, how you and I know each other for all of these years since 2004, because you as a voice talent, I hired you and you were easy to work with and you were friendly. And I thought, huh, I I need this person to stay in my sphere. And then when I started my business, I was like, hey, Melissa, I don't know what you need me to do, but you need me somehow. And I'm going to infiltrate your world and make it so you can't live without me. And now here we are. So (laughs) I know. And you did a really great job of that. Thank you. I, I used to be more subtle about it. Now I pretty much flat out say, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to make it so you can't live without me. I love it. And it's better. It's better for both of us that way. But what advice do you have for others who want to grow their businesses beyond what they do themselves? So uh, going back to building quality long-term relationships versus one-time customers, why do you think so many people overlook the simple principle of being kind? Oftentimes I've heard a lot of people believe that being too nice or being too kind is a sign of weakness, which I think is absolute silliness um, because I think you can be very strong in your, your mindset and the way you run your business and, you know, in knowing who you are, but still be very loving and very outwardly kind. But I think people miss just the power in that and that, making other people feel good 
is a really big reason why they want to work with you is they enjoy that exchange of energy and time and sharing. And to me, kindness is a superpower. So if, if you're overlooking kindness, you're missing one of the biggest ingredients to being successful and creating those long time, long-term relationships. It always baffles me why people don't get that. And I think there are multiple facets of it, but one of them is that idea that you have to be brash or abrasive to be respected. And that comes from this weird place of, I need to assert my authority or nobody's going to take me seriously, but then people overdo it. And the reaction is, I don't want to work with that person. That's too much. And then it's, it is that mistaking kindness for weakness because you can be direct to the point, you can say what needs to be said unfiltered, but do it in a calm and polite manner that gets to your point across. It's about communicating, not just yelling at somebody because this is awful or not saying anything and just shrinking inside and being miserable because you don't want to speak up. But it's that general principle that we are all people and our lives are much better if we're working with people that we're happy to be around. It's, I don't know, it seems, it seems self-explanatory to me, but I, I come across that all the time, that people don't value the, the kindness in that. And especially from, say, the client perspective, if I'm hiring you and I'm really busy or really stressed, which most people at their jobs tend to be, unfortunately, and then my interaction with you is you're making my life easier. You're saying something kind, you're, you're calm, you're making me relaxed, you're making me happy. Of course, I want to work with you at that point. Yeah, it's refreshing, you know, and comforting. And I know whenever I exchange in work and business with people who are being kind back or even taking the time to be kind and just enjoyable to work with, it just makes me look forward to working with them more and really cultivating that relationship more. So yeah, I think Kindness is where it's at. <laughs> Let's make some shirts. Yeah, try it. Kindness. <laughs> Give it a shot. <laughs> it's what's for dinner. <laughs> when it does come to sales and marketing, again, it, it really varies by industry, but I still think there are some universal principles that can apply and be helpful no matter what. What are some of the things that you would recommend for these people who are trying to get new clients? Yeah, I would just say um, really be aware of the network that you already have and don't overlook all of the great people you know and not just involved in the business that you're involved in, but all of us come together. It's like this big web of awesome, right? So really look at all of the different people in your network and in your corner who you can reach out to and you can lean on. And a big thing about relationship growing or marketing yourself is once you align with someone to be hired for something, just always make sure you do what you say you're going to do. I think that the follow through, if the follow through is there and you have a great network that you can lean on, those two things are really important. And then the referrals will happen. So that's, that's kind of where I wanted to go is network, follow through, and then referrals because, and I'm always happy to refer other people, other talent. And then they're so thankful for me referring them. And then they are just, they can't wait to reciprocate and see how they can help me in the future. And it's just a really big, beautiful, like I said, a web of awesome because everyone, it just, it goes on and on and everyone wins. It's beautiful. 
We should all have a web of awesome. I've never heard it phrased like that before, but I really like that. <laughs> and you pretty Thank much you. described my exact marketing strategy, which I've never called it a strategy because it's second nature to me. We all know that I'm an introvert and going out and networking in person or going out of the way to cold call somebody or strike up a random conversation, not going to happen. So I prefer to have a solid base of loyal clients versus a whole bunch of people that I did one job for. That works really well for me and in the line of work that I'm in. But the referrals, 100% of my business has come from people I know or people who know people I know. And like you said, it's really good to think not just people in your own network, but those other, or not just in your own industry, but those other people, because you might know some accountant who knows somebody else who's creative and is working on a marketing video that needs a voice actor. And so it's really about having conversations that you would have anyway. You're not trying to force a sale down somebody's throat. You're not sending a borderline abusive emails on or LinkedIn messages of, hey, I sent you a message. Do you need my services? Um, following up because I haven't heard back and it's been 32 seconds. That kind of stuff does not win me over. Yeah, it's really obnoxious. It's like, keep your eyes and your ears open for people who need help and then provide a solution or be of service because you genuinely can help or you know someone else who can help. And that's been appearing more and more in my life lately where I'm like, oh my gosh, I know somebody can help you with that or I could help you with that, you know, that kind of a thing. And it puts people at ease. And then when they think of you, they think of ease. They think of, you know, a solution like, oh, that person's a great resource. They're always so helpful. And they're the kind of person where if they don't know the answer, they'll try to help me get the answer. And all of it just is, you know, positive uh, in regards to getting more um, business and building more relationships. An answer that I often give people is, I don't know the answer, but I'm going to find out. Or kind of along the same lines, if I'm not available for a job or not interested, or there's some reason that I'm going to say no, if I have somebody that I can refer to that job, I always give the solution. It just happened to me this week, somebody from the iHeartRadio Festival reached out. They needed a producer for a couple days out here in Vegas. I can't do it. But I said, I'm not available, but here are four people that are really strong. You should reach out to them. I don't know if they're available, but if you need anybody else, let me know. I'm happy to be a resource or whatever you might need. I'd never worked with this person before. I'm not working with this person now. I just don't have the bandwidth. But it was, I'm saying no, but I'm not leaving it at no. I'm offering you some alternatives. You can take them or not. But it to me, it's just going that extra way to help somebody because if I put myself in their shoes, I know what it's like trying to hire somebody in a city where you're not based and you don't know anybody and you really don't know who you're going to get. So having somebody else vouch for somebody can go a long way. And then your friend or whomever you refer for the job, they get some extra money about it. And then they think, oh, Amanda got me this job. So it's not being competitive. And so many people are, I'm not going to give anybody names because then they'll hire that person and not me. But to me, if somebody else is a better fit for the job than I am, you should definitely hire them. And then when I'm a better fit, you can hire me. There's enough for everyone. So no need to get greedy about all of it. 
Yeah. It's that lack mindset versus the abundance mindset. And yeah, if you're operating out of a, a place of abundance, which is, you know, you always have enough because you know what a great, valuable resource you are and you're very confident and secure in, in who you are and what you provide, then you're going to feel really great about sharing with everyone. And you know that there's always going to be plenty to go around, including for yourself and not working from the lack mindset of, oh my gosh, I can't help other people because then somehow I'm going to lose out. That's just, that's sad when people <laughs> think that way, but that's okay. There's, there's, there's a mindset for everyone, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> there absolutely is. And I think part of that, it just comes from confidence as you keep going is we all know what that's like when you first get started. And I remember having a specific conversation with you when I was starting out and you said you had conversations with other people that in the beginning, when you haven't learned the fluctuation yet, you might go from being really busy to having no work. And it's really easy when you have no work to get into almost panic mode. Am I never going to work again? Like, did I just have a good run and now it's over? What's going to happen? And it always comes back. So it's, I've shifted that a lot in, in those years. And now it's embracing those times when there's nothing because they don't come up. They, those times don't yeah. come often enough <laughs> anymore. Not a complaint. But when I do, even if it's a day, I think I have some quiet time today. I'm going to go hang out on the couch with my cat. It's glorious. <laughs> so <laughs> You start looking around like, uh, is it really quiet? <laughs> and then now we go, yay, versus before we'd maybe have a little mini panic attack. <laughs> <laughs> kind of in those same lines, last night you and I were talking about evolution. And because you and I have known each other for so long, we've both seen each other grow in different ways. And we haven't been super close friends for all of that. Sadly, we've missed out. But it really wasn't until I got away from the production company or maybe slightly before then when you and I started hanging out a lot more and we'd have our, our Starbucks dates and go meet up every now and then. And then it's, it's, it's blossomed from there. And so growth is something we all typically strive for. It can also be really, really scary. With TVAS, you went from hosting friends in your living room to having a full-blown studio. And now you have a whole staff of coaches and managers and social media marketers and graphic designers and literally thousands of students. I don't think that was your initial vision, but you went along with where it took you and here you are. So what advice would you have for others who want to grow their businesses beyond what they're doing themselves right now? The best piece of advice that I can give is do everything you know, from your heart and work from really wanting to serve others and, and be there for everyone and let it happen organically. I'm not suggesting, you know, to not sit down and, and work out some kind of a, a plan or, I mean, I, honestly, I didn't sit down and make a business plan and say, I'm going to create this production studio slash training, you know, studios. I, I really didn't do all of that. What happened for me was I was just genuinely enjoying helping other people. And I do love community. I do love bringing people together. And it just organically, slowly, like a flower, you know, just started to blossom and open slowly, slowly, slowly. And it became this thing that sort of took on a life of its own. But the thing that I'm really 
proud of is that I've never tried to force this. I've never done anything. I've I've, I've never wavered from the core vision of just serving others and building community. It's just that the size of it (laughs) has really gotten a little out of hand. So it's definitely wouldn't fit in my living room anymore. Um, So now I feel like I have all these living room friends that are just now all over the world. And I'm just so thankful for people um, just, I guess, trusting me to be a good resource for them and just bringing them into this amazing tribe, you know, that we've got. So I hope I answered your question. I hope I'm not tangenting. I like tangents. No, and it's a good thing. It's the idea of trust has been coming up in conversations a lot with me lately. And I think that's a big part of it is when we start businesses for ourselves, I, I think most of us go into it with a plan. Even creatives who maybe don't like plans, I think there's some idea of this is what I'm going to do and this is how I'm going to do it. And it doesn't always work that way. And the more we try to control it and force it and stick to our exact plan, the more disappointed you might be, but also then you're missing all those opportunities that are happening outside of that straight line path that you thought you might be on. I know when I started this business, I had a very clear idea I was going to stop doing one thing and start doing something completely different. I even made a business plan. I never looked at it once after I finished it. I didn't do anything that was on it (laughs) because the path opened itself up to me and it was being open enough to see it and say, okay, I never considered this before, but do I want to work for nine months as a project manager on a presidential debate? Okay, I've never done that before. Might as well give it a shot. That introduced me to a whole new network of people, which furthered other things. They started giving me work that opened up a whole new area of clients and friends and other things that I could then do. And then something else came up over here and over here. And then at the same time, I thought, well, while I'm doing this, I could also do a few things here and this client needs help. And I don't really do that, but I could. So why not? And it just all came together. And I don't want to make it sound like I didn't really work hard for all of it, but there, there's a back to balance. There is a balance of doing the work, committing, doing the best that you can, being impeccable with your word, all of those types of things, and also being adaptable and being a little bit laid back and thinking, I don't have to control everything. I'm just going to go wherever the wind takes me. Like what you were describing, there were words popping in my head as you were talking, and one of them was surrender, right? You you wrote your your business plan, which you said, you know, then you kind of set aside and never really used or looked at again. But, you know, good on you for sitting down and organizing your thoughts. And you started somewhere. Like initially you said, this is my business plan. But the nice thing is like we talked about right when we kicked off today is life is what happens while you're busy making other plans, right? So you can make the plan, but when opportunities happen and unfold right before your eyes, you have to be able to see those opportunities and act on them and be courageous enough to go for it, to not be so rigid that you say, oh, well, that wasn't a part of my plan. So I can't do that. That wasn't what I had jotted down on that piece of paper. So you've got to be able to surrender to those moments and say, you know what? Hmm. 
this is a really interesting opportunity. I am going to go for it and see what I learn because the biggest thing I've learned in the last several years with the voice actor studio and voice acting and all the things I do is just that every day I am really open to learning new things. And it's really important to be open to learning because things are changing at such a rapid rate every single day. And adaptability, like you said, is huge, but just being willing and open to what what's before you just to embrace it, surrender to it and say, what can I take away from this and add to my toolkit? You know, that kind of a mindset. What do you do or do you have a set way? How do you work through the fear component of that, of growth, especially when it comes in your case, you went from hosting some people in your living room to getting a building and investing in a building and the equipment and the staff. And then you moved after a few years, you moved into a better building and had to rebuild that whole thing. And that I think is what stops a lot of people is that fear of investing in themselves, not just financially, which is a huge part of it, but also emotionally. Because what happens if I spend all this time and money developing this thing and it doesn't work and people get stuck? I always like to say, yeah, but what if you spend all this time and money and invest in this thing and it does work? And it's so great. Yeah. Well, there have been so many moments in the last, you know, seven, eight years since the voice actor studio became a thing uh, that I have definitely made some scary decisions and terrified myself. And one of the big ones was, you know, signing a, a three-year lease for a commercial building and then spending, oh, like a hundred thousand dollars to, you know, build it out and get the infrastructure and all of the logistics and everything built. And it was me really having to, here comes that word again, trust myself and believe that it was going to work out. And was I afraid? Yes. Did I do it anyway? Yes. Because what's the absolute worst thing that could happen? The worst thing that could happen is I quote unquote fail, which I really don't believe in failure. It's just an opportunity to learn and grow. But if it didn't come together, okay, I'd have debt. Well, that would be inconvenient. I would have to slowly chip away at paying that debt off and, you know, bummer. But my thing was, it felt so right to me. It felt right in my bones. And it was a, a chance I was willing to take because I, again, I was letting it organically open up and, and take shape. And in that moment, I was like, Ooh, this is so scary. This is like a major rush. I'm kind of terrified to sign this, uh, you know, this contract and, and do this thing, but I'm going to do it anyway. One of my favorite quotes is, you know, fear walking, essentially it's be fearful, but keep walking anyway, just walk scared, you know, but <laughs> keep, even if your knees are shaken and the whole bit, just keep going. Um, because when you get to the other side, there is this feeling of growth and accomplishment. When you look back and you say, oh my gosh, I did that. I did that. I was brave enough to listen to my own intuition and do it. And sometimes I have to stop myself and look back and say, holy cow, this is something that all those 
thousands of hours that I've, you know, put into this, this thing that I lose myself in those thousands of hours as I'm doing them. When I stop and I look back, it's a real moment that's hard to describe or put into words. It's, it's a sense of being proud of myself that I was capable of something that I didn't even realize I was fully capable of and that I've helped so many people. And that's the biggest part for me is seeing all the people that have benefited from a chance that I was willing to take. <laughs> so <laughs> those are the things that kind of run through my mind. I think I tangented again, but there it is. <laughs> again, tangents are good, but it's, I, I know you and I both are very much about being in the present moment. That's a big thing. But like you were just talking about looking back when you do stop and look back, because sometimes reflection is good because then you see where you started and where you ended up. I always think, is it better to look back and know that you tried something and whether you succeeded at it or not, wouldn't that be better than looking back and thinking what could have happened if I would have tried this? And that I don't want ever want to live a life of regret. I don't really believe in regret because I think that everything we do, whether it works out or not, it teaches us something that we need to know. But I think sometimes it's really going internal. It's trusting that instinct and believing in yourself. And if you really think that what you're doing is the right thing to do, what do you really have to lose? And then is being practical about that, like you said. Okay, so if this doesn't work, now you're in debt. You can make more money. It's possible. Yeah, it's like, what's the worst? It's like, what's the worst thing that could happen? You know, that, and then when you say that out loud, then you say, okay, that's the worst thing that can happen. Well, if I do this and then it becomes this amazing thing, what's the best thing that could happen? And really what that is, is, infinite possibility because you really don't know. You can't really measure that, right? You can simply measure what would happen in the worst case scenario, but you can't simply measure the best case scenario because I mean, there's just so many different things that could come from it. So to me, it's just no brainer, you know, it's just like, go for it, but it's going to be scary. So just be willing to be scared. <laughs> See, so if you're listening to this, then you just got permission from Melissa Motes to do what you want to do. You heard it. She said yeah. it's okay. So what's your excuse now? <laughs> no, there is none. Go do it. it. <laughs> yes. Go forth and, you know, be awesome. <laughs> it's just, there's just so much life is, you know, this is not a dress rehearsal. We're here. We're, we're in it. I, I just want to I want to feel all the feelings. I want to do all the things. I want to meet all the people. You know, it's just like, it's just, I want to be so rich in experiences and moments that that's really what our life is. You know, I, I, when you look back, it sounds kind of morbid to say it this way, but we're all going to have a time when we're no longer here, right? As we know it now in this form. And when that moment comes, you want to be able to look back at your whole life and your experiences and say, wow, I had a really rich, full journey and it was chock full of just great things and things that scared me, things that lit me up and uh, be really at peace with that. I, I don't know. That's that's something that I, I think about sometimes. Yeah. Well, different people have different motivations and some people equate success with money. 
How much money did I make? And money is important and we all like money and it's good to have as much of it as we can. But I think to overlook the experiences, the connections with other humans, with animals, with nature, all of those things, but to have true moments that are fulfilling, it becomes equally important, if not more so important than how much money you made. That's always been my motivation. I want to have enough money to be secure and to not have to worry about how I'm going to pay all the bills and all of that stuff, but I don't need a lot of things. I like to spend my time and money on experiences and that works for me. And I I don't ever want to look back and think, again, going to looking back and think all I ever did was work, 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 work. So I can make all this money and then I didn't get to do anything with it. Yeah. So then you got a big pile of money and then you die. And then whoever you leave it to, they're going to be like, whoopee, let's have some fun. (laughs) And then you're going to be wherever you are and like, dang it. Why didn't I ever have any fun? (laughs) So you don't want to be, you don't want that scenario. No. Going back to that whole balance thing we were talking about earlier, like work-life balance. It's that thing too about a healthy relationship with money. It's, you know, yeah, you want to be comfortable. You want to make sure you can buy groceries and pay your bills and, you know, live in a nice comfortable home, whatever that is for you. And just, you know, have some sense of security, but uh, everything's better when it's shared. And when you take the, the money that you've earned and you turn it into an experience, and then you're sharing those experiences with other, that's where the magic happens. That's where everything is, you know? So make the money, but play with the money, have fun and, and bring all the people into the mix too, so that everybody can share in the fun and, and enjoy it. Well put. It seems silly that we're still having to talk about the pandemic at this point, but here we are and we're still in it. And you've said before that when life gives you lemons, you throw the lemons back and demand chocolate cake, which is way better than lemonade. So I always liked that, but always finding the best in everything. You've taken the time to reprioritize your work life and your personal life and focus on what's important to you. And I think that's a huge blessing a lot of people have taken from all of this. What do you think you've learned about yourself in the process of the last year and a half? I've learned that I enjoy naps and I try to get those whenever I can sneak them in. I've enjoyed basically taking some time to just re-evaluate my my priorities. I was telling you the other day that I want to spend a lot more time back visiting my family in the Midwest and being able to work remotely. Uh, I've always worked remotely and as a voice actor, that's never been an issue in my whole 20 years of voice acting. But as far as uh, the voice actor studio life, being able to teach workshops remotely now, it, it just became very clear to me that I can set up a studio, you know, back at my parents' house in the Midwest and spend extended periods of time back there with them and with my siblings and and extended family and do voiceover work and still teach classes and be with people that I only used to see a few times a year, you know, for like special holiday occasions and things like that. So a little silver lining for me in this whole pandemic situation was going, oh my gosh, we have all this technology and it's been right there in front of my face this whole time, but utilizing it differently so that I actually can be more connected 
and physically present and with my family just really excited me. I was just telling you about this the other day. And uh, that's one, one big thing that I've personally walked away from. It ties in to, I I think for people who are self-employed or who want to be that to me, it's, it's everything. It's having that freedom and that control over your own time. Your time is yours, however you want to do it. And the last year or so it's opened up everybody's eyes a lot more to what is possible. And it's really kind of crushing some of those old traditions that don't make any sense because they were created when times were different. And it's really hard, again, back to growth and evolving. But at the same time, it's sometimes fear-based to think, well, we can't offer classes virtually because people won't come. People want to be there in person. They want to have that whole community. And we can't have that on boxes on a computer screen until it was forced. And granted, you were a little bit ahead of that. You'd already started developing the streaming capabilities at the studio before this hit. It just expedited things a little bit. (laughs) But that being said, people embraced it. They loved learning online. And there's a again, with a balance, but you've crafted a way that people can attend these classes in person if that's what they want. They can attend them at home if that's what they want. So it's this really lovely balance. Again, it appeals to the introverts. It appeals to the extroverts. It gives opportunities for everybody. And being able to adapt to that has gone a long way. And people in these situations, especially offering creative services for the most part, you can work from anywhere you want to be. As long as you set it up correctly and you communicate with your clients, it works and it's lovely. It's the best of both worlds, really, you know? And for us at the studio, there are so many people who want the whole in-person, hands-on experience. And then there are other people who feel so much more comfortable being at home or maybe we're teaching a workshop at night and they don't want to drive at night. Well, they don't have to drive at night and they can still enjoy the same workshop. They can still learn. And another big thing is getting a lot of time back, you know, just from not having to drive somewhere and come back, you know, even just now I'll really wait. I'll save up like all my errands to run on one day. And then I, you know, I kind of make a map like, okay, I'm not going to just run out and do this one thing today and run out and do that thing tomorrow. I will wait. I will be super organized. I'll hit, you're going to laugh at me, but I'll go visit my nice little bank ladies. Like to go to the bank in person still, because that's just how I roll. Got to go say hi to everybody. Uh, Go see my little bank ladies. I like to go grocery shopping. I like to go put gas in my car. I All those things, all those old school things. And uh, it makes me feel good. But I do it all in one swoop. It's a, I'm a lot more efficient with the way I do things just based on what changed in the last 18 months. I remember back when we were doing the Womanpreneur podcast, there were some people who kind of made fun of me a little bit about my don't leave the house Wednesdays. Now, every day is don't leave the house Wednesday, and it's amazing, <laughs> but that was a big part of it. I needed one. You're, you're, living, you're living your best life, Amanda McEwen. <laughs> no, and that's what I, I it, it's been funny, and it not, again, not to make light of all the people that have suffered through this, but you know that before this happened, I was pushing for remote work for a long time because this is what I wanted. 
this isn't what I wanted, but the idea of being able to do most of my work from home is what I wanted. And now that I have that, it makes sense. It does work. It's better for my life. And not to say that I always want to be at home, but it really, I think it proved to some people who weren't on board with it before that, oh yeah, this actually does make a whole lot of sense. We can do work together better this way. And it, it benefits the company just as much as it does me. So it's win-win, but it's sometimes we need something huge to open our eyes to what's right in front of us. Yeah. And I also have a whole new mindset of who I'm willing to put a bra on for. Like that is, <laughs> that's one of my mindsets now is when someone's like, Hey, do you want to go out and do blah, blah, blah? Do you want to meet us for blah, blah, blah? I'm like, that's going to involve a bra and makeup and getting in my car and driving. And I'm like, that's a lot of stuff. And I'm like, do I really want to do that? Do I really, do I love this person enough to do this? Yeah, usually I do, but (laughs) there's a, there's a level of, you know, little extra boxes I check now that before was like, ah, I always, you know, would do those things. And now I'm like, I'm so happy and I'm so comfortable. Yeah. I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but it used to be if I was meeting a new client, whether it was via Zoom or in person, I would make some kind of effort towards my appearance to at least look somewhat put together. That's gone out the window. I've had meetings with people that I've never met. Sometimes it's somebody I'm hiring, like a new accountant or a financial advisor. Sometimes it's people who want to talk to me about a job. I kind of just think this is who I am take me as I am or don't, but I'm not going to go spend all that time to put on some eyeliner and try to look better because I'm just going to go wash my face right after this meeting anyway. And why why waste it? Even if it's five minutes, like why waste my time? Right. Why waste the good eyeliner? (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's getting people to be more comfortable with who they are. Yeah. I think it works. And I've always been a fan of wearing comfy pants if you have to wear pants and you know that too. So I do know that that's one of your really Premium traits, Amanda McEwen. I have been consistent with this, <laughs> if nothing else. Go <laughs> yes. to the house Wednesdays and wear comfy clothes. That's right. <laughs> so I also want to throw it out there that you recently wrote and recorded a children's audiobook. So what can you tell us about that? Yeah, we, um, we, like I have a mouse in my pocket. <laughs> you might. As a matter of fact, I do have a mouse in my pocket because it's one of my stories that I'm about to actually uh, launch here by the end of the year. Um, So just really a little bit about that. I started writing children's stories about 15 years ago when my nieces and nephews were first born. And, you know, they live in the Midwest. I live here in Las Vegas. And I didn't want to be the faraway aunt. I wanted to be the aunt that they still felt really close to. So even though you know, even though I'd only see them maybe five, six times a year, when I came home to visit, I wanted them to just feel really close to me and to know how much I love them. And so I used to just write stories and then record them in my booth and put little CDs together. And then in between the stories that I would write for them, I would say stuff like, you know, auntie loves you, you know, have a sleep good, you know, and like little fun little things. And my brother and sister-in-law would say, they'd hear the kids upstairs at night being like, good night, auntie. Like they would think that I was there talking to them, which was so cute. And I just sort of shelved all those stories. It was just for them. It was just little fun, inspired thoughts and little, little things that I would just write 
based on things that they would share with me or things that they liked. And now my, my sister in the last few years, she's had little ones. So she's got a a four-year-old and a almost three-year-old. And, uh, I brought a few, I dusted a few of them off and brought the CD out again and said, Hey, pop this in your car and see if the girls like it. And my nieces, they loved all the songs I've written and stories I've written. And my older nieces and nephews said, they're now like 15, 16, 20. They all said, auntie, our favorite stories growing up were the ones you wrote. And I was like, really? You know, all like, don't make me cry. But they were, (laughs) they said, um, you need to do something with those stories. Those are so great. Those are some of my favorites. And so it's with their encouragement and their love that basically I decided to start producing audiobooks. And now I'm actually getting some illustrations to go along with them. And I'm making picture books or paperback books of a bunch of my stories. And I'm rolling out a whole collection. And it's all just centered around my nieces and nephews and them being my number one fans. <laughs> I love that. And it, it's it's further evidence you don't have to do the same thing all the time. You can branch out. Doesn't matter if you've been doing the same thing for 20 years. If you want to do something else, why not do it? Yeah, it just felt right. And I was doing it because I love them and wanted them to feel close to me. And now it's becoming a thing where, I don't know, can I be considered a professional writer because I've made $28.56 I think so. I was really happy with the first time I got money from Medium. And I was like, it's like $3.52 or something like that. And I was really excited about that. I'm like, I made it. Yeah. I am a paid writer. <laughs> like, who am I? <laughs> it works. You can just add to all your hyphenates. That's what we do now. Everybody's a multi-hyphenate of some sort. So you could just add those it's at the end. Great. If you had one piece of advice for other self-employed creatives, what would it be? I would just say... Go back to the thing that you were the most drawn to when you were a kid. What, what was the thing when you were a little kid, the little voice in your, your inner child's heart that kept telling you uh, that you needed to be when you grew up? And just make sure you're not overlooking that. Because I think we get lost in a sea of responsibility and things that we think we have to do. And sometimes we miss what our biggest gifts are, and we miss the thing that our heart's been longing to do forever. And just stopping and thinking back to what that really was, and just make sure you're honoring it. That's a big one for anyone, entrepreneur or not, and business advice or otherwise, just be true to yourself. Be true to yourself. Be true to your word. Make sure that you always do what you say you're going to do. And I just think Things just happen and unfold the way they're supposed to, you know, and you can't go wrong. You know, I agree with all of that. (laughs) Where can people find you if they want to connect? Where can people find me? Yeah. I'm at my house. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm not inviting stalkers to show up to Melissa Moat's home, so... No, I, I know, I know. I'm You're like, I'm right silly. here. I'm right here. Uh, you can find me. Um, my website for voice acting is ladyluckvoiceovers.com, thevoiceactorstudio.com for voiceover related stuff. And uh, I don't know, just my name, Melissa Motes. I'm out there. 
I'm out there ready to be your friend. Well, there you go. You've made a brand new friend, whoever you are listening. Melissa Motes has given you permission and she wants to be your friend. Yes. Thank you for taking the time to talk with me, Melissa Motes. It was fun to be on a podcast with you again. Oh, it's been awesome. I really appreciate you inviting me and I'm super proud of you, Amanda McEwen, Artfart Girl. And uh, it's been really fun for me to watch all of your business endeavors unfold. You are quite the, quite the business lady. Thank you. I appreciate that.